Hi guys, and welcome back to the How to Be a Good Mom show. Being a mom can be hard, but community makes it easier. This show is a platform for moms to share their experiences in motherhood and hopefully offer some entertainment and encouragement along the way. I can't wait for you to hear from the amazing guests I have coming on this season. Whether you're listening in the car with your kids strapped in the back, at the sink washing dishes, or on a nice long walk all by yourself, you're a good mom, and I hope you walk away from each episode feeling that way. Hi guys, and welcome back to the How to Be a Good Mom show. Uh, I'm so thankful today I have a good friend here with me, Leah. Leah and I have actually known each other for over a quarter of a century. We went to nursery school (laughs) together at Bakerville Nursery School in New Hartford. Um, So yeah, we, we go way back. We've known each other for a very long time, and now we each have a daughter that is around the same age. Yeah. Maddie. And Addie. Addie. (laughs) We didn't plan that. Um, But thank you, Leah, for coming on and deciding to be vulnerable. I'm really excited to talk about kind of your journey into motherhood and let everybody hear, you know, the experience you've had because I think it's pretty unique and I think a lot of moms could probably benefit um, from hearing what you have to say. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. Um, It is, it's exciting to be here and to talk about the journey, like you said, to becoming a mom and also to talk about, you know, the good times, but also share some of the more challenging times too. Now that, you know, we are moms and we know that those challenging times happen quite often and it's helpful to be able to talk about it and just be open and honest in a safe, comfortable zone. So I appreciate you inviting me on here too. So give us a little backstory. What was your childhood like growing up? Did you know you wanted to have kids? Did you know you wanted to be a mom? Yes, I did. I I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. I always talked about having two kids. <laughs> so working on it. Um, my mom always thought I was going to grow up to end up being a nurse because I was very like nurturing. Like if my dad got caught or anything, I was always one of the band-aids, everything else. And so she always kind of described me as more of the nurturing type. Um, did not go the nurse route. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little too gruesome. Yes, a little too gruesome, but um, ended up in education. So still working with kids every day. Um, and yeah, I just... I. I never went out and did a ton of like nannying or a ton of babysitting or anything like that, but I always knew that that's what the goal was and where I wanted to end up with it. Um, And so it took a little while for us to get here and my husband Lucas and I to find a spot that we felt comfortable in our life, in our space of life to go into having kids. But but it's an exciting time to be here because it is something I've looked forward to for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And did you, like, going in, when you and Lucas decided to have a baby, was it as easy as just being like, okay, let's have a baby, and then you had a baby? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was a lot of things that we wanted to kind of have in place first in our lives. Um, A few goals, like personal goals, relationship goals, um, that we wanted to kind of get our ducks more in a line before we decided to have a kid. And I mean, by no means can I say that we struggled to have a child, but it took a few attempts um, in order to be successful in it. So um, it wasn't it wasn't 
super simple of just, okay, we're going to do this, but it took a lot of conversations and a lot of kind of planning things out and re-envisioning our life and what yeah. it was going to look like moving forward, knowing there was going to have to be some changes and sacrifices um, and making sure that we were ready for it or as ready as we thought right. we were going to be able to be. Yeah, I that is such a funny concept, like making sure you're ready for it, because yeah. I think as <laughs> any mom listening can tell you, you're not. No, <laughs> you're never you're ready never for going it. To be ready. It's no. so much different than you expect. Mm-hmm. So, like throughout your pregnancy, labor and delivery, was all of that pretty smooth? What you expected? Did you have a good experience? It was. I got honestly very lucky. I had um, a pretty easy pregnancy. I had hardly any morning sickness. Um, a little nausea in the beginning of my pregnancy, but that was really it. The worst it got was. Um, heartburn (laughs) just being uncomfortable and being done you know I was convinced the whole time that Addison was going to come early and um I got induced after my due date so (laughs) so of course she was comfy inside there um but no everything went pretty smooth I my um I had an anterior placenta so it took a while for me to actually be able to feel her and then my umbilical cord or her umbilical cord was off to the edge of my placenta mm-hmm. versus in the middle so the doctors had a little bit of concern about if she was going to be getting enough food and growing um like she should and so I had a few extra ultrasounds throughout the pregnancy and then toward the end I had to do a lot of non-stretch tests more ultrasounds to track to make sure that she was gaining the weight that she needed to they didn't think it was going to be really an issue it might just be more of a she might not come out as a fat chubby baby (laughs) (laughs) and did she Um, and she did she was eight (laughs) pounds on the dot so she was fine um and yes I had to and there was there was one little hiccup or not hiccup but one little wondering is on my 20 week ultrasound at the anatomy scan she wasn't cooperating you know her face she would not face the camera on the ultrasound and um when I got into the room after with the doctor I thought it was interesting because the ultrasound techs you know they can't tell you anything oh, yeah so you're always wondering you yeah know, what does everything look okay and she's like I can't tell you anything yeah, she's like, oh, oh the doctor will meet with you yes but on the end of this ultrasound she's made a comment of all right the doctor's gonna meet with you if there's anything concerning she'll talk to you about it and that kind of just left a weird taste in my mouth because I'm like, like so there's something what concerning. Do you mean? you've never said that before okay <laughs> And what it was is that because she wasn't looking at the camera, there wasn't ever a clear picture of her face. And that left a shadow between her nose and her mouth. And there was worry of a cleft lip or a cleft palate. Um, so they really couldn't rule it out. It looked like there was a line. There was no clear like two nostrils. So I ended up needing to go back. And that was like right before Christmas last oh year. So like almost this time. So, you know, Lucas and I are trying to, like, go through the holidays being, like, okay. You yeah, know, staying positive, that's being not, excited. Right. And, of course, that's not, like, a life or death situation. But it, it was a, but scary. Know, it was a, a wrench thrown in. When, yeah. You know, you think about maybe Down syndrome or you think about autism or other things like that. Like, a cleft lip or palate had never come into my mind before. Yeah. Um, but a week later, we went back for an ultrasound just for that and she cooperated this time (laughs) Um, and they were able to rule that out so aside from that little wondering or having to do a double check um, I was lucky to have a quick or a pretty easy pregnancy 
Um, and then I did need to be induced. My fluid levels were too low um, a week a day after my due date was there. So I ended up going and getting induced and it, I think was that pretty, I mean, it was <laughs> I think your it was only experience. Pretty, so it was my only experience. So yeah. I feel like it wasn't as bad as I anticipated it being. Oh, um, I know some people tell horror stories yes. about induction and it's like, please don't. <laughs> yes. Right. Like they're like, you're going to get sent home. It's going to take three days. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I wasn't ready for this. So and it I'm, wasn't. I have to interject. I'm sorry. We can cut this know, out. If you don't want to talk about it. Far. No, no, no. Are you going <laughs> to, I wanted to say, remember when you, you were so so done being pregnant like yes. a week before you had Addie and you were in our group snapchat you were like how am I going to get this baby out and our friend who's a NICU nurse was like you need to just eat a lot of bacon to get your blood pressure up so they would think you like needed to be induced yeah didn't work spoiler it didn't work yeah spoiler alert it didn't work but honestly something like that happened to one of my coworkers. because I told her about it and she she kind of did it by accident with her second she had oh what was it I don't I think it was like a bunch of cheese she had like two cheeseburgers or something one day because she was just craving them and the next day she went in and they were like you're your levels are way too high like we have to induce you oh my gosh she really did work for her that's so, i mean so hot tip me, if you are trying to have your baby in the yeah. next couple of days just eat some cheeseburgers yeah yeah the walks probably aren't gonna work get the right kind of raspberry leaf tea i was drinking like 17 cups a day and then i found out after i had her that i got the wrong just kind. raspberry tea which i hated so <laughs> It, it was horrible. It wasn't even the right It wasn't even the right tea. So it was doing nothing. All of like the old wives tales of how to induce yeah. are so funny. Yeah. We'll definitely have to do like an entire episode about that. Like, did it work? Hilarious. Like did this work? Yeah. No. Oh, no so sorry no, to get no. you off track. <laughs> so you have Addison. Yes. A day after her due date. What month was that? May. May. Yes. That's, so. I feel like a great time to have a baby. I think it was too. Yeah. The weather was getting warmer. So it was nice to be able to go outside with her and get outside myself that was a huge thing for me too um especially because you know in trying to get her out I was going on like two walks a day for this yeah for like a month before I actually had her so um it was it was nice to be able to get her out um in the month of May yeah that's awesome and so once you had her and brought her home was it everything you ever dreamt of was it (laughs) exactly like you thought no (laughs) I'm going to be honest and say no. Yeah. Um, I think it was different and not like I expected in probably every way possible. Um, I know. You know, in in the challenging ways and in the good ways too. And, you know, you expect, I know I'm going to be tired. I know that there's going to be some trial and error. I know that she's going to cry. <laughs> there's going to be some dishes. Um, I dishes, just, did you say? <laughs> A lot of dishes. I just never anticipated how much of all of that, you know, the yeah. level of tiredness, the amount oh, of yeah. laundry that a newborn can make. Um, I, they're so little. Like, how yes. how is there so much laundry? Honestly, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, the, the stress, the anxiety of it all, you know, the up all night just listening to her breathe because you're yeah. ter- you know, you're up at night because they're crying or you're up at night because they're not crying and you're wondering why they aren't. <laughs> No, I can relate. I think what's crazy is everybody knows that having a baby is hard and like raising a baby is hard. Having a newborn is really challenging, but until you actually go through that experience, 
Like, you have no idea. No. And I'm not even trying to be condescending and be like, oh, you have no idea. You know, but, but like, you can't know. You have, until you experience it yourself, like, just the, like you were saying, the magnitude of, like, how tired you could be. Like, yes. you will never know sleep deprivation. No. Until you have yes. a newborn. No. You, there's no way to, like, practice that or to, like, do a trial run of it. Yes. Yeah. No. And just, and the neediness, I wasn't ready for the neediness, you know, of I'm sitting in a chair all day long because she just wants to eat all day long Yeah, and I cannot get outside. My body is not ready to go on a walk right now. So, you know, those things that I was looking for. And I mean, if we stop back and think about it, it's something brand new that we've never experienced before. So we can't possibly know everything right. that it's going to be like. Um, so no, it is, it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all new and it's, it really is. I feel like a build the plane while you're flying it type of situation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also on the other end, there's the good side to it too. And, you know, I was lucky enough to feel that connection with Addison right away. I know it's common that some people don't always feel a connection right away. Um, I was lucky too. So it, you know, I didn't anticipate the, also the amount of love or also just the, the light that she brought, I guess, to our lives, I could say. And, you know, or just that feeling of the pride, you know, she's pulling up her knees to like try to get into a crawling position and just that excitement and that pride that you have. Um, I couldn't have been prepared for that either. Yeah. So yeah. So just like you can't anticipate the magnitude of the hard stuff. You can't anticipate the magnitude of your love. Yes. And just, you know, how much your life will change in a positive way. Yes. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I keep, you know, I see a few moms that I follow or like labor and delivery nurses that I follow, um, too. And they say, you know, you're meeting someone brand new when you have a baby. Um, but it's not the baby that you're meeting. It's you you because you're changing as a person. And so you're meeting your brand new baby. You don't recognize yourself in the mirror. You don't recognize how you're feeling. Um, everything's changed. You know, your spouse is different because they're now, you know, he went a parent. from being my husband to being a parent. Right. So it's everything is shifted too. So on top of these new challenges and just learning what it's like to have a baby, it's like everything that you knew and were comfortable with is also different. Right. So it's an emotional change too. No, I totally agree. And I think as I think I've talked to you about this before, but like as soon as I had my first baby and brought him home, even outside of having postpartum depression, I like one of the first emotions I felt is like, oh my God, did we make a mistake? Yes. Like, did we, were we ready for this? Did we do this too soon? Because all of a sudden you're preparing and the 40 weeks mm-hmm. have gone by and you are reading so much, you're doing so much research, you've got the nursery ready, you've bought yeah. everything you think you need to buy and then it all comes to fruition and you have this baby and you're like, oh my God, I I can't undo this. Yes. Like there's no going back. And now my life completely revolves around this helpless newborn baby. And he relies or she relies solely on you. And the Mm -hmm. weight of that is so intense. And again, it's one of those things that unless you experience it, you'll never know what that feels like. Just the weight of like, you're a mom now. And that's huge. Yes. Yeah. And battling also that sense of, sometimes I think resentment that comes with that oh, of completely. the do, did we make a mistake and, 
and you know I mentioned before you know we had her in May so it was nice outside I was used to going on walks to try to get her here and and through delivery you know my tailbone was bruised I was you know I needed some stitches you know my body was not ready to go out and take a walk even if she would have let me because of her nursing all the time um so I remember being home and my husband was home and I have to like say that he was phenomenal like bringing me chocolate milkshakes when I needed them or you know water everything that I could have needed but I just remember it being a beautiful day and I was stuck in the chair with her for like hours at this point I was my body was in pain I just wanted to get outside and I looked out the window and he was just outside like playing with our dog in the backyard and I just felt such a sense of resentment to being like this isn't fair yeah (laughs) why did we do this yeah, I do this. This isn't what I expected it to be. I, I think thought it was going to be lovely. so many moms feel that feeling. Yes, but people are too ashamed to say that out loud. Yes, because the feedback that you might get is like, well, like, you know, you're so lucky. You have a baby. Why aren't Why aren't you just yes. thankful? Right. You know, because you know so many. I mean, even within our personal, you know, social circle, we know women who have struggled. Yes. To get pregnant and have babies. So as you know, you didn't. You said that you get mm-hmm. you and Lucas didn't have a terribly hard time getting pregnant. I didn't have a terribly hard time mm-hmm. getting pregnant. So it's almost like you feel ashamed. Yes. And you feel like, oh, because we're so lucky, we don't have the right to ever vent or mm-hmm. voice our concerns or, complain. you know, talk about, <laughs> complain, yeah, or talk yeah. about the hard parts. Yeah. You know, it, you feel like it's like, well, we're so lucky yeah. we can only talk about the good parts. Right. It's And, and I think that's right. bullshit. <laughs> you're fi- right, because your feelings are not invalid, you yeah. know, just because... And yes, we have, you know, that empathy and that understanding. Um, but just because you don't go through something else doesn't mean that your situation isn't yeah. as important or that your feelings aren't as valid. And they are um, because you can have everything, quote unquote, easier. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make everything easier all the yeah. time. And That's it is. True. It's hard. It is. There's a lot that, a lot that changes. And, you know, even now, you know, Addison's almost seven months old and their things have gotten a little easier, but they also haven't. And yeah. there's, there's, well, now there are new challenges. Exactly. Completely. And yeah, there are still times that, you know, I love to garden. I love to garden and I didn't get outside once this summer, you know, to be able to do that. And that right. was a part of me that I enjoy doing for my mental health, for everything. And, and I couldn't do it. I could not get out there because of just everything that was needed. And it's just the little things that the little tasks that all of a sudden become huge tasks. Right. The little things you took for granted, like stopping quickly at the store on your way home. (laughs) And it's like, now you have a baby. Are you going to get her out of the car seat and put her in the grocery cart and take her into the store? Like for one thing, no, you're just going to be like, well, I guess I forgot the cheese. We're not having cheese this week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like all those little tasks just become huge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And I do think that's a very, very common feeling. But like you said, one that's not often talked about. And then it creates that sense of guilt or, you know, judgment of I'm feeling this way, but I'm not hearing other people feel this way. So I shouldn't be feeling this way. And it's not, that's not healthy either. Right. I think it is way more people experience it at some point regardless of if you had an easy pregnancy a challenging pregnancy an easy time getting pregnant or not I think everybody would experience that at some point yeah I think everybody's everybody's heart is different but it doesn't make it any less hard yes it's still hard Mm -hmm. but 
true. So you did end up having a little bit of a hard summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Speaking of hard. (laughs) Speaking of the hard parts. Yes. Not to be super negative, but you, you know, you had a really big trauma. Yeah. With your daughter and that probably has shaped your journey into motherhood a lot. It has. Yes. Um, and you know, so I guess to extend off of the, was motherhood everything that I expected it to be? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, because I, you know, like going along all the things that I could anticipate, the things I couldn't anticipate. Um, one of the biggest things I could not anticipate was a huge accident trauma when Addison was six weeks old. Yeah. Um, so it was in June. June 22nd to be exact. I remember the day and she was six weeks old. I had, Lucas was at work. So it was just me at home and you know, she had just woken up in the morning and so she was happy and wiggling around and everything. And I put her on the changing table to change her. And right when I turned and took my eyes off of her to put her diaper into the diaper pail, um, I heard this bang, this sound. And I look back and she wasn't there. She wasn't on the table. Um, and so I guess as a backstory and, and maybe to rewind a little bit, I should probably preface the story by saying that I am still very much working through this. Yeah. Um, that's fair. (laughs) You know, the trauma, there's a lot of layers to the story and, um, it's still something that I'm processing and something that I can you know, feel my body fighting the vulnerability of sharing the story. Um, it's probably a feeling that I'm going to be feeling that vulnerability for a while after this is shared, you know, in general. Um, but in sharing it is, you know, cause I've only shared it with a handful of people before and the people that I trust, you know, and so it's scary um, to put it out there. And it's scary to put it out there because when you put it out there, you're inviting judgment and, and that's hard. But in putting it out there too, it also means I don't have to hide it and that's going to help me in my healing process. And I hope helps someone else too, because unfortunately these, to be realistic, accidents happen frequently Mm -hmm. for people. Um, not always to the magnitude of what I experienced, um, sometimes more, but talking about it and sharing the hard parts and hoping that that can help to be healing for other people too. I think it will be. I hope so. So she, um, she had fallen off of the changing table head first. And so to just describe it for you, she, um, her nursery is small. So when we were putting it together, we decided to put the changing table with the dresser in the closet, what was typically a closet with the bifold doors and in order to be able to open up the drawers for the, the dresser, there was a gap between the wall and where the dresser was. So probably like, I don't know, a six, seven inch gap. Um, she fell on between that gap between the wall and the dresser, probably about three feet down. Mm-hmm. And it, I looked down there and saw that she had fallen and she immediately was crying and I just remember being like, oh my gosh. And I reached down and I couldn't reach her from where I was standing. Um, 
And so I remember ripping out the dresser from the wall the best that I could and going along the backside to pick her up. And when I picked her up, I realized she had probably a good like three and a half inch gash on her forehead, right where her hairline started. Mm -hmm. And there was blood. It was a big gash. Um, I think what had happened was that she hit the floor trim when she was on her way down. And um, I immediately just ran into the bathroom and got one of her washcloths to try to hold pressure on it and then I froze and I didn't know what to do I don't think anybody would (laughs) no um and so I called my husband at work and I was like she fell off the changing table she's bleeding there's a gash in her head what do I do do I call the ambulance? Do I bring her to Charlotte? Do I bring her to CCMC? CCMC is so far from here. Yeah. And he was like, get her in the car seat, bring her to Charlotte. And I said, okay. And that's why I hung up and I went. Um, and luckily after getting there, they were able to suture her up and, and look over her. And it was this ended up being a surface level cut through x-rays, through everything else. There was no sort of um, damage elsewhere, damage to her skull, damage to any of her other bones, anything like that. Um, my best guess at what happened, because it was in I, a half a second yeah. when I turned and put the diaper in the diaper pail. Let me just stop and say, we have all been there. Yeah. If you're going to try to tell me or Leah that you have never looked away from the changing table for half a second mm-hmm. to throw your diaper in the diaper genie, you're lying. So go so yes. go on. <laughs> yes. It's not possible. No. Um my best guess is that she was able to plant her feet and push herself back, which she had done before and which I saw her do again later on. Um or I was I'm wondering that maybe in the process of me changing her, lifting up her legs, other things, that she maybe got closer to the edge of the changing table than I saw or realized and then when her wiggling her happiness wiggling was enough to get her just close enough and you know babies their head is like a third of their body if not more um she went I don't know exactly what happened because I wasn't looking at her and it was in a split second um and so, you know, going to Charlotte, they found that she was stable. So then they transferred us to CCMC for a plastic surgeon for everything else. Um, so there's that trauma of yeah. the guilt, you know, oh, of yeah. where that came in. And how angry I became with myself of why I didn't foresee that gap in the wall being a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Um why couldn't I have anticipated that that was going to happen, that that could have been dangerous, that she could have fallen between that, that she could have wiggled herself back enough. Um, you know, in that instant, I'm a bad mom. How could I have this happen to my six week old child? You know, I, I am brand new and this happened and how, how could this happen? Um, I think it's hard when like a it's a freak accident and when a freak accident happens you want to blame someone and the easiest person to blame in the situation is yourself yes you know and I think that's just human nature you naturally go to like this is my fault I did this yeah when and again intellectually you know it's not your fault and you know Mm -hmm. you didn't do it but that's just where your brain goes yes yes 
And exactly. it's really hard to, to stop it from going there yes. and I'm to retrain mom. yourself. Yes. I should have been able to keep her safe. Yeah. Why couldn't I keep her safe? Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> the trauma of this story doesn't stop there. Um, when I, we were sitting, when I was sitting at Charlotte, the doctors were great. You know, they came in, they were telling their stories to me, sharing their stories to me. Um, and one of the doctors came over and he was like, I just want to let you know, you know, hand on my shoulder, sympathetic face. I just need to give you a heads up because of the six week old, because of the nature of the accident, I do have to call DCF. And I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a mandated reporter. I get it. I've been there myself. And so my erection was like, yeah, of course, of course you do. I understand. Um, what I didn't anticipate was DCF opening a full investigation. Right. Um, when we got to CCMC, I got a call from a DCF worker who notified me that she was concerned about the case, concerned about what she had heard, and wanted to meet with me and Lucas at our house um, and look over everything. And when we met with her, I felt a lot of judgment. I felt a lot of questioning um, into what had happened. Um, And then when we got back to CCNC, we, two people came in from the SCAN program. And I later found out that SCAN stood for Suspected Child Abuse and Neglect, um, which was so basically CCMC's version of DCF also. And they were questioning me on everything that I was doing. kind of ended up twisting my words you know they were asking about postpartum anxiety I said yes sometimes I like to do things myself I want to be able to do everything myself they turned and told the DCF worker that and the DCF worker came back saying you have too much anxiety we consider you unstable oh my Um, god and what it came down to was the DCF worker calling this a quote-unquote highly unusual case um, where they did not believe that a six-week-old would be able to move themselves at all to be able to fall. Um, and I ended up having a video on my phone of Addison rolling over already multiple times. And the people from the SCAN program asked me if they could see it. I had told them about it, and they asked me to see it, and they were I could see the look on their face of surprise. And yeah, because six-week-old babies don't typically roll. No, they don't. They, that, um, that is unique that she was that strong. Yes, exactly. And I truly believe or have been told by some people um, through different programs that that's probably the reason they let me go home from the hospital with her is they were that concerned about yeah. me and the situation. Um, but that video saved me enough to where they weren't going to take your child, take my child's. Yeah. Oh my God. So now as in the height of postpartum, um, not only did she just, I experienced this huge trauma of my child falling and getting her and screaming in a way that I could never forget. Um, but then also now actually being questioned about me and how I am as a mom. Yeah. And so not only now are you questioning whether or not you're a good mom, you have external sources yes. now questioning whether yes. if you're a good mom. Yes. And nobody needs that at no. six weeks postpartum. No. And it turned into 
we're opening a full investigation. Uh, it's gonna be open for a minimum of 45 days. Um, we want you to get together with birth to three. We want you to get together um, with some other programs to look here in Connecticut with Jumpstart programs, uh, with Good Start programs, um, with everything to support me yeah. and me as a parent and quote unquote connections with Addison. Um, I had to have multiple meetings a week with multiple people. Did that make you feel supported? No. No. <laughs> no. And that was, that was, I think the hardest part is that through this whole process, nobody ever asked me what I needed yeah. to get help. Because of course, at this point, um, I went downhill fast. Yeah. You know, sitting in the hospital, knowing, you know, Lucas had a lot of hope. He's like, they're going to cancel this. They're going to ask a few people and they are going to say, this is stupid. We're closing the case. And I knew they weren't. I knew that they weren't going to. And I looked at him after the second day in the hospital and cause they kept us overnight to, mm -hmm. you know, just monitor her. And I looked at him and I said, I think I'm going to need to talk to someone because I felt myself immediately sleep and slip into depression. Yeah. I knew that I did cause the anxiety was so high. The the trauma on top of the fear that they think that I abused my child. They think I did this on purpose. Mm -hmm. They could take her from me. And now I have someone who has never met me in my life before, never even heard my name, who is meeting me at the worst time of my life and is judging me and who I am at this moment and my worthiness of being a mom. And that took everything from me. Yeah. You know, there was multiple occasions that Lucas had to come home early from work because I was having full-blown panic attacks. Um, you know, and that's that's where I started to, you know, I tried a first round of meeting with a therapist and that therapist had had her own run-ins with DCF um, and hated them and made me scared. Yeah. Um, and luckily, a friend of ours had a had a therapist that she had worked with who used to be a DCF worker. I reached out to her and connected with her and thank God she was amazing. <laughs> and oh. I'm still working with her. Um, but through, you're going to have to cut this out for a second. No, that's fine. I lost my train of thought no, where I was going with all, the, all of this. Um, so. That's a lot to process. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot to remember and to go all the way back through. Um, gosh. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> I have to say gov. No. <laughs> um, so you finally met a therapist yes. that you clicked with, yes. that you were working well with, and you think that she kind of got you on the road to healing. I know yes. you're still you know, in the process of healing and it's probably one of those things that it's, I don't know if, you know, just through my own experience and hard times of being a mom, like, I don't know if you'll ever truly be healed. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, you'll never be over it, mm -hmm. you know, but at least you feel like you connected with somebody yes. who was able to yes, get you on the right path. And that's, sorry about that. <laughs> um, and that's when I started to actually learn to place what I was feeling because I had felt that, you know, I knew I was in a depressive state. Um, 
and I knew that I had felt guilt, but what I was really feeling was shame. Yeah. And, you know, and to know the difference if I think I always looked at those two as similar. Yeah. Um, I don't know the difference. <laughs> is, you know, guilt is I did something bad or I made a mistake and shame is I am bad. And that's where I was is wow. I am bad. I am a horrible mom. I couldn't help her. And now I'm being, or I couldn't keep this from happening. And now I'm being questioned. And I have all of these people who are coming in and looking at me who do not, who are not confident that I am a good mom. Right. And, and at that moment, you're not confident you're no, a good mom. And no, and I'm not. So I'm questioning everything. And, and that was shame. And so my therapist started to work a lot with me in, you know, in owning my story is what it really comes down to. And cause I wanted to hide it, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't show her to people. Yeah. I would only put her out with bows anywhere to try to cover up the scar. Um, I remember I had one of my friends come over to meet her one time and she took a picture with her and she wanted to post it on Facebook and she asked me for the picture. Um, and I literally photoshopped Addison's scar because yeah. I well knew she was going to post it. And I was so terrified of people seeing it. So terrified of people questioning me on it. I went on a walk with her one day and I had an older man stop and want to look in on her and say, Oh, look at her. Oh my gosh. What's that on her head? Oh, and it it's was like a knife in the heart. Yes. And it became a, like now when people look at her, do they see a baby or do they see a scar? Yeah. And now they're just questioning it and they're expecting the story. Um, and it, it became a lot of work. Um, it was probably the lowest point of my life. Um, and I'm working my way back up. I'm not there yet. I'm not standing yet. Um, but I'm getting there and, and I'm getting there through the help of my therapist, through the support of people that I'm comfortable with. Um, and and my therapist introduced me to Brene Brown, too, mm-hmm. who is a shame and guilt and vulnerability researcher. Um, and I think she's written her books for me. <laughs> you know? In the forward. Dear yes. Leah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she yes. saw this happening. Why couldn't you? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You're imperfect. This is what's happening. Um, but, you know, ways to deal with the trauma because the trauma is there. It lives there. And my therapist asked me the question one day of what's the story that this is going to have, you know, because her scars there, it's never going to go away. And someday she's going to be old enough to see it. And she doesn't know the story of it. And so the story she will grow to know is the story you tell her. And that story could either be, this was the most traumatic hardest hurtful time of my life or it could be this was the beginning of something better and this was the beginning of reframing and restarting and restructuring life to to think of what's important and to prioritize and to become better and the best version that I can be for her um and that's my choice of how I do that and and a lot of that is, is the work of vulnerability and sharing and owning my story and say, this happened. This is my truth. Um, and, 
and you know there was a story that I heard about you know I'm not a Star Wars fan (laughs) (laughs) either Um, I've never seen it but but there was you know a story that I heard about a scene in Star Wars where you know Luke needs to go into this dark cave and he doesn't want to go because he's scared and Yoda looks at him and just says and you must go and he walks into the cave and he meets his enemy, Darth Vader. And so they start to fight and he's able to decapitate Darth Vader. Um, but when Darth Vader's face is revealed, it's Luke's face looking back at himself. And the idea is that who we really must confront in our fear is ourselves yeah. and what we bring to the story. And, you know, the most difficult part of our stories is what we tell ourselves about who we are and how people are going to perceive, like perceive who we are as a person. Um, and that's why I wanted to hide, you know, to, to, I already have all these other people questioning if I'm a good mom. Now the people around me are going to question that too. Right. Um, you know, so going through this work and, and talking about shame and and knowing that the way through it is is empathy. And that was something that was really powerful when I went to CCMC and we were in the emergency room. Um, the attending doctor came in to talk to me. He was an older man and he told me, you know what, I'm going to tell you my own story. And my own story is that my son was in a tabletop high chair and he was throwing his food on the ground everywhere. <laughs> and no matter what I did, he wasn't listening. And I was trying all these different things and he was just being a nudge that day. And so I tried the planned ignoring where I was just gonna stop giving him attention. And at one point I heard this huge bang sound and I was like, oh my gosh, what did he throw now? And I turned around and he had fallen off of the counter um, in the seat, face flat on a slate floor. and he's like, do you know what my role is here at CCMC? I was like, no, of course not. I just, <laughs> I just met you. I'm a little busy. And he said, half of the work that I do is in trauma prevention. And the other half of the work that I do is in trauma care. And I couldn't foresee that happening. I couldn't stop that. And out of anybody, I should be the one that was able to stop that. And, you know, I've been talking to a few of my coworkers that I feel safe with and, them sharing their kids ripping their hands away and falling down the stairs Mm -hmm. or smashing their heads multiple times or other accidents because we are human and we are imperfect and accidents will always happen and we cannot see them and we cannot have them a crystal ball to anticipate what is going to happen um and that's not a reflection of who we are and, and I was listening to one of, you know, Brene Brown's TED Talks the other day about shame. And this was kind of the boost I got to, to, to share my story and why I need to, to. And she was talking about, you know, finding our way back to each other, finding our way to a better path is through empathy. Um, because empathy is the antidote to shame. And she gave an example of if you were to put shame in a Petri dish then it needs three things in order to grow exponentially. And that's secrecy, silence, and judgment. And I can tell you that is true (laughs) from experience. That is 100% true. 
Um, but then she goes on to say, if you were to put the same amount of, um, the same amount of shame into a Petri dish, but douse it in empathy, it cannot survive. And the two most powerful words that we can share when we're in struggle is me too. And that's it because that's what helped me was people saying me too. And I think, and I shared this with you, you know, shortly after the accident happened as you know, we were kind of, I think I was one of the few people that you were comfortable talking to because Mm -hmm. I had a baby around the same age Mm -hmm. and you know, we were kind of going through like the new mom thing together but I have had so many near misses that could have been disastrous and not even could have been some stitches, like could have been life or death with my kids. Mm -hmm. It happens to all of us. Yeah. And that is why, and this is an excuse, not an excuse to say like, be careless. It's going to happen no matter what. Like, obviously you can take precautions, right? but you, as you were saying, you can't foresee every possibility. You can't, look into the future and know exactly what's going to happen. No. So you have to give yourself some grace when yes. those you know, when those freak accidents happen. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You have, Addison has a long childhood ahead of her. She's yes. going to have bumps and scrapes and mm-hmm. maybe some broken bones. Yeah. And these feelings are probably going to come bubbling back up. Yes. And how are you going to battle those? You're just going to I mean, I think that the work, you know, it's this is a journey and it is a process and it is uncomfortable work to dive into it. You know, the, my therapist says the cure to the pain is in the pain. And sometimes the only way out is through. Yeah. And that means weeding through all of those emotions and feeling them and recognizing them and not running from them and seeing even how they present themselves in your body, you know, and stopping she's you know when Addison is crying she knows what she needs she knows she's hungry she knows that she's tired that's all there is to it but we shy away from that and we we try to hide it and we don't always see where we are so taking time to recognize that emotion you know I say I try to say mantras every day and those mantras change to what I need it's okay that my baby's gonna start going on formula yeah (laughs) it's okay it's an accident I'm a good mom I am enough Mm -hmm. and saying those over and over and over again and really just, you know, reframing thoughts and, you know, thoughts are not facts and that's different. I can think this. It doesn't make it true. I love that. (laughs) That's actually really helpful. Thoughts are not facts. No. Mm -mm. The whole time I can think that I'm a bad mom. It does not make it true. Yeah. It's not, you know, so just continuing that work of, this is okay. I am human. Accidents can happen. I am enough. I am doing the best that I can. And I think, uh, you know, I love that we keep bringing it back to vulnerability because the way that I've been thinking about vulnerability and I like to think about vulnerability is it gives you, even though when you're vulnerable, you feel like you're powerless because you're opening everything up to the world, Yes, you know, but I think that it actually gives you a lot of power mm-hmm. because you're taking control of the story yes. and you get to reframe the narrative, you know? Mm-hmm. So like your therapist was asking, you know, Addison, she might notice the scar when she's older, yes. you know, maybe it's going to be visible to her. I mean, we can't really know cause she's yeah. just a baby still. You yeah. don't know what she's yeah. going to look like. Um, 
you know, but when she asks those questions, you'll be able to confidently tell her that it was an accident and Mm -hmm. you have a scar and you all have scars. I mean, you've got a lot of scars. I do. (laughs) That's a story for another episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How she joined the Lampignana. A lot of scars. A lot of trauma in the Lampignana family. (laughs) You know, first, you know, I like to think that, you know, she really just started herself strong into parenthood and that that's going to be like, you know, oh, it'll all, all we're going to need. Yeah. That's just going to be a breeze from here on out. Yeah. But the you've reality, paid your dues, right? <laughs> like this is just probably the beginning. No. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Accident prone family. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, that, I don't know why I didn't connect those dots, but you are very accident prone. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. You know, so yeah, it's, it's a proof, you know, the scar is, proof that we've been through something something hard and we've persevered through Mm -hmm. you know and she my gosh I can also learn just so much from Addison herself you know I said from the beginning like she's way stronger than I am yeah (laughs) through this um you know and she was smiling and happy that same day yeah you know she was content sleeping sound as a brick on the way to the hospital, you know, to CCMC. Yeah. Um, her calm presence and her peace and breathing through things and knowing and trusting, trusting that it will be okay. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's an important lesson to, to remember, as you said, inevitably these feelings are going to boil up at times and it's going to be easier on some days to handle them than others. Um, even now, you know, there's times that I look at her scar and I, or I don't see it. I don't even see it anymore. And then there's other times that that's all I see mm-hmm. and bringing it back to what's most important, um, is not the scar mm-hmm. and is not the story of the scar. Um, but the process and the healing from it and the growing from it too. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. But, well, I think... Yeah as scary as it was and as horrible and awful and you would never wish it on anyone you've gone through such a trial in the very early stages of motherhood and I think it's probably going to set you up for you know just a healthier relationship going forward with yeah. yourself yes <laughs> I knew that was going to happen That's the Christmas tree lights turned off <laughs> we need the ambiance yeah break it up yeah I knew that was going to happen um, um, okay, yeah, so anything else you want to add in closing? Because um, I have a couple final questions. To, like, just to the accident? or like Yeah, no, moving, just in general. Moving in forward, like, because I think some of the other things, the questions that you had, yeah. bring it in afterwards, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, I hope, I hope that, people don't have to experience, you know, a trauma or something challenging or that feeling of helplessness and that feeling of questioning. Um, but it might happen. And that, that questioning or am I a good mom is going to come up at some point, regardless of if there's a trauma, like falling off of a changing table at six weeks old, Mm -hmm. um, or not. You know, or not realizing that your child bumped their head or didn't eat when they were supposed to or, you know, anything. Um, 
it's going to come up, but giving yourself grace and, and knowing that you don't have to have it all figured out and that it's okay. Right. And that everybody is in this too. And it's not just you. Right. I think that's what's so hard about being a mom. I mean, there's a lot of hard parts, obviously, as we've talked about all night. Mm -hmm. Um, But the hard part is not knowing that other people are going through the same thing as you are. And just wondering, like, am I the only one who's feeling this way or who's going through this? Mm -hmm. So if there is a new mom listening to this, (laughs) what would you tell her? Your number one piece of advice? To give yourself grace. Yeah. To give yourself grace and permission to feel every emotion that you have. Um, You know, allow yourself to slow down and lower your expectations and take it as it is and and know that there's going to be times that are easier and times that are harder and a trial and error but give yourself grace this is hard and there is no instructions for no. this <laughs> there's no directions there is no how to guide um and things are not always going to go the way that you think that they're going to go um and it's okay and you will make it out, but give yourself permission to to feel, to, to not be perfect. Yeah, because it's going to happen anyway, whether you give yourself permission or yeah. not. So yeah, exactly. I think that's really good advice. But thank you for being vulnerable yeah. and coming on our podcast. I think any mom listening, whether they have experienced trauma or not, can take a lot away from this conversation um, and just, you know, give themselves grace, learn to be yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. Um, Talk about it. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard too. You know, I, it's been five months. Yeah. <laughs> um, almost more. And I, you know, still working through it, but it's not easy, but it's going to make it helpful. Holding it all in is, it's not going to help. Right. It's okay to right. The vulnerability is what is going to help. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. For daily entertainment and encouragement, I would love for you to join me on Instagram. You can find me there at frankie.thegoodmom.